And I hear people say this a lot, and I'm guessing you do too, that they lost their motivation. And and people say it as if that is like the the fact, and therefore there's nothing more they can do. Like, well, I lost my motivation, so that goal's out the window. And I think that's where the real fallacy lies. Because if we're expecting motivation to drive us all the way to our goal, we are never going to achieve it because it was never designed to sustain us to our goal. We have to rely on something else. Staying motivated takes work. If you don't work on your motivation, you become unmotivated. Join Umar Jang as he shares inspirational stories and tips to get you motivated to do whatever you need to do. This is the Motivational Voice Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Motivational Voice Podcast. This is session number 44. I am very excited to bring you yet another thought-provoking episode to get you motivated to tackle whatever hopes, dreams, goals you have set for yourself. I talk a lot about motivation for a good reason. After all, this is a motivational podcast. But I am well aware of the fact that getting motivated can be a challenge and staying motivated can be an even bigger challenge. But what if you could find a way to do things you need to do without relying on motivation. Well, that, my friend, is what we are going to talk about today with my guest. This episode is going to challenge the way you think about motivation so you can be more successful in the goals you set and the things that you do day in and day out. So grab a pen and paper, my friend, because you are going to need it, and we are diving right in. Leah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Omar, for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to have you. Uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation. But before we do, would you take a second and introduce yourself to our listeners and let let them know who you are and what you do? Yeah, my name is Leah Finelli, and I am a life coach. I specialize in helping women specifically stop overeating uh, without the use of any kind of diets, shakes, crazy workouts. Um, and things like that. I personally lost 30 pounds several years ago now um, by really changing my mindset and my habits with food. And um, I was um, shocked to see how much mental real estate that freed up for me to focus on other things. And now I'm on a mission to help other women do the same thing. We are all very motivated, at least in in thought, in terms of the things that we want to achieve in life and the things that we want to do. But when it comes down to it, we we tend to rely on motivation, on, on saying, okay, if I can just get myself motivated enough to do this thing, then things will, 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 will go better. But you can't rely on motivation all the time. I, I'm, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm the motivation guy, the motivational podcast, <laughs> right? But right. why is that? Why is it that you can't depend solely on motivation when you want to achieve a goal or or achieve something really anything really yeah my perspective on that is that motivation is an emotion like any other right it's something that we feel and then we take act our actions always come from our feelings so when i feel motivated to clean up my house my house looks great right but am i motivated at 10 o'clock at night before bed to go cleaning up the house no i'm not right so motivation comes and goes just like every other emotion right like there is 
you know, especially here in the United States, we have this myth, you know, about that we should kind of always be happy in the pursuit of happiness. And in our human brains, we've been socialized to believe that if I'm not happy all the time, then something must be wrong, right? Like I've got to fix it because I'm supposed to be happy. But the truth is, is we're not supposed to be happy all the time. Just like we're not supposed to feel motivation all the time. There's a spectrum of emotion and we are designed by mother nature to feel all of the feelings on that spectrum, right? Like we're, we're designed to feel anger. We're designed to feel rage. We're designed to feel happy, excited, joyful, bored, right? This is the one I'm always talking about with my seven-year-old, like, <laughs> you know, like we're, we're, we're designed to feel inspired. We're designed to feel it all. And yet as humans, we're very attached just to the positive ones. You know, we're like, no, no, no. I don't want to feel the negative ones. I just want to feel the positive emotion. And so when it comes to things like motivation, what ends up happening is, is we think, okay, I, I feel motivated to, let's say, change my eating habits or start this exercise plan, or even, you know, for younger folks, I feel motivated to graduate from college or, um, you know, whatever it is to save my money so I can go on that trip. So we get the motivation that shows up in the beginning or like, you know, motivation Monday that we see, you know, hashtagged all over the internet. And then what ends up happening then is by Thursday or maybe by next month or next week or whenever it is, the motivation is gone because it's supposed to go away. It's an emotion. It's by design. It goes away. Then we think something's gone wrong. We're like, well, I'm not motivated anymore. So I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to save my money. I'm not going to, you know, go and, and go for that jog that I had was motivated to do six weeks ago. I'm I'm not going to do it because I don't feel motivated. And I hear people say this a lot, and I'm guessing you do too that they lost their motivation and, and people say it as if that is like the, the fact, and therefore there's nothing more they can do. Like, well, I lost my motivation. So that goal's out the window. And I think that's where the real fallacy lies, because if we're expecting motivation to drive us all the way to our goal, we are never going to achieve it because it was never designed to sustain us to our goal. We have to rely on something else. That's an interesting approach in that it, it, it does present a, a challenge and a, a somewhat of a conundrum in that if you only rely on motivation to get things done, or in other words, you feel like doing something because you were inspired by whatever it is. For example, you go into a seminar, watch a video, listen to a podcast episode, there's a feeling that you get like, oh my gosh, I could do this. I have all these ideas. But if that goes away, what is the alternative to replace that motivation with something else? What is that something else that you replace the motivation with to be able to take action and move forward? Yes, that's a great question. So in my experience, I have found that it's, I have kind of a formula to answer that question. Um, I always tell my clients, we don't need motivation. What we need is determination, right? These are two very different things. Determination really originates with a decision that you're going to commit to. So you're saying that no matter what, I'm determined to get to my goal. And then that no matter what part usually means if and when I don't feel motivated, I am still going to move forward. I am still going to pursue what it is I set out to pursue. I, I teach a little uh, kind of acronym to my clients called decide, commit, plan, and honor. But the idea is that first you make the decision and we make decisions all day long, but we don't actually commit to our decisions, right? So it's kind of like, 
it's probably a bad analogy, but you might decide to have a child and then you realize later that you, you know, you're kind of uncommitted to the whole parental role because it's really challenging and hard and it's not easy. And you know what I mean? Your commitment kind of comes and goes, right? I mean, hopefully we all follow through because we're determined to be good parents. Mm-hmm. But the idea there is that we, we can't, we, we often make decisions like I'm going to eat a healthy dinner, but we don't really commit to the decision. So then by the time dinner rolls around, you're like, yeah, I know I said I was going to eat a healthy dinner, but I'm just going to roll through the drive-thru instead, right? It's the lack of commitment to the decision that we made. And so to me, that is determination. It's saying I am deciding and I am committed to fall, seeing it through no matter what emotion comes my way. So that way, when boredom comes up or when, uh, you know, apathy or lethargy or whatever the emotion is that comes up for you, you've already committed that you're going to push through no matter what emotion comes your way. So that's the first piece is determination. But for me, that is uh, not the most appealing way to live my life (laughs) because that to me is like, that requires a lot of kind of like drive and focus and maybe a lack of gentleness or fun or joy that can be you know, embedded in our pursuit of our goals. And so the second piece of determination for me, the the kind of addition, if you think of this as a formula, it's determination plus pleasure. And what I mean by pleasure is that we have to find a way, if it's a short-term goal, you can nix the pleasure, but for longer term, which if you, if you don't have to mix it, don't, but if you, you you don't have to spend a lot of time trying to figure that piece out. But if it's a longer term goal, like getting through college, like parenting, (laughs) like, um, like sustaining your weight loss or becoming someone who exercises regularly or meditates regularly or whatever the goal is, the, the key there then is going to be that pleasure combined with the determination, because if it's miserable the whole way through, the determination is going to become quite painful. And eventually we as humans are hardwired to seek pleasure and avoid discomfort. So what happens then is when we, there's actually something in psychology called the motivational triad that says that humans are hardwired to seek pleasure, avoid discomfort, and do both of those things with the least amount of effort possible. So what happens is if you need all of this determination to get to your goal and it's really miserable along the way, and there's no pleasure to kind of get you there, eventually your brain is going to say, this is not worth the effort, right? So finding a way to infuse your determination and infuse the journey toward your goal with pleasure is really the key to being able to sustain it. And I'll give you an example of this, Umar, in, in, in healthy eating terms, right? Where this is the work I do with my clients. If somebody said to me, oh, you know, 30 pounds ago, if somebody had said to me, oh, sure, Leah, you can, you can lose 30 pounds and keep it off for the rest of your life, but you have to eat salad with no salad dressing and you can never eat butter or olive oil and you can never have cake or, you know, pasta. I would be like, forget it. I would rather carry around 30 pounds and still enjoy eating, right? So the idea is that in order to actually sustain a healthy eating habit, you have to actually enjoy what you're eating. So you have to find that right combination for you and your body that allows you to truly, truly enjoy your food while also giving you the weight 
weight loss results you want or exercise is another example. I always tell my clients, don't bother exercising unless you enjoy it because you'll never sustain it. If you don't find some level of pleasure in it, even if the pleasure doesn't come until the end, right. Where you're like, Oh, that run was really hard, but it feels great to be sweating now and have my endorphins. Right. So having something to hold on to that you can look forward to that feels good to you during the process is key in that formula. And then there's one more piece of the formula, but I'll stop. I'll pause myself because I know I'm talking a lot. Make sure you don't have No, that's questions. fine. That's fine. Keep going. Okay. So then the third piece is, so we've got determination plus pleasure. And when you have those two things together, what you end up with is momentum. Determination plus pleasure equals momentum. And what I mean by that, I'll give you a real life example. I wanted to have a regular daily yoga practice for the longest time. And I, uh, I wanted to have a home practice. I wanted to be somebody who would wake up in the morning, get out of bed and go practice yoga for 20 or 30 minutes before starting my day. I felt better physically when I would do that. I loved that quiet alone time, but you better bet Umar that the, every morning when my alarm went off, I was hitting the snooze button <laughs> and I wasn't getting up and I wasn't doing it even though I loved yoga. Right. And so what I finally realized is that what I needed to do was just tell myself because the leap, our brains, if you remember that motivational triad, seek pleasure, avoid pain, least amount of effort possible. It's a lot of effort to get out of a warm, cozy bed when you're asleep into the cold to go even doing something like yoga that you might like, it's a big bridge to cross, right? To get out of the bed and onto the yoga mat. And so what I told my, and to think about exerting the effort of practicing yoga. So what I told myself was, as I said, okay, Leah, you don't have to get up and do 20 or 30 minutes of yoga. All you have to do is just get out of bed and go lay down on your mat for five minutes. If you just lie down on your mat for five minutes, then you can get up and get on with your day. And so that was less of a leap in my brain. And my brain was like, okay, well, I'd rather stay in bed, but I can at least commit to five minutes of lying down on my mat. So what I would do is I would wake up and I would tell myself, okay, Leah, just go lay down on your mat. It's no big deal. So I'd get up still on my PJs. I wouldn't even change into yoga clothes, but in my PJs lie down on the mat. And what happened was I'd lay there for a few minutes. It'd feel nice. And then Sure enough, I'd start to pull my knees into my chest and rock back and forth a little bit. And then I'd start to stretch and that was feeling good. And the next thing I knew I had a 20 or 30 minute practice every morning under my belt, because I was able to coax myself there by making the, the kind of barrier to entry so small that it was easy for me to make that leap. So what I did in that instance was I, I was determined to just do five minutes, which didn't seem like too much. So that was the determination combined with the pleasure of actually enjoying it. Now, if you told me I had to go run around my block for five minutes, I never would have done it in a million years because there's no pleasure in that for me. So the pleasure of yoga combined with the determination just to do it for five minutes gave me the momentum then to carry on that practice for many years because it was easy and it was that low barrier to entry combined with the pleasure that gave me access to it, which then built the momentum. And the important part about momentum is momentum is what then defines who we are, right? Because then I became someone who practiced yoga every day. I became someone who had a home practice. And so therefore my identity started to shift just from that wimpy little, just roll out of bed and onto your mat for five minutes, Leah, and then you can get on with your day. That one thought 
and decision and commitment to the decision allowed me to then transform myself and my identity as someone who practiced every day. Yeah, no, that's interesting. There's a lot that's going through my mind right now. And I think one thing that came to mind, at least for me, was I did a, an interview previously. I did a session where I talked about those micro wins, those small wins, like those baby steps, right? And I am a big proponent of that. It don't If you put in your mind that you're going to run a marathon and you've never run a marathon, there's a good chance you're never going to run a marathon, right? But if you decide, <laughs> I'm just going to walk to the mailbox and come back today and tomorrow I'm going to maybe walk to the mailbox, come back and then walk to the end of the driveway, something like that. So those those small wins. When you do that, you end up actually doing more, which is what you were talking about, more than you expected you were going to do, right? Uh, but what I wanted to, to come back to was you talked about that determination plus pleasure to, to get you that, um, that momentum, right? Could that also be pain, right? Because pain can be a motivator. Is, is it, could that be pain rather than pleasure? Can they be interchangeable to get someone to that motivation, it's a great determination. Question. Yeah. And I, you know, I haven't given that much thought. So I, I might, I, I might have to think on that more, but my initial thought about that, just given my own personal experience with pain as a motivator is it's not as sustainable, right? So I feel like that can work more in the short term. Um, but in the long term, that can become quite challenging. Although, and I think about it actually, even now that we're talking about it, I think about when um, I've had a lot of chronic neck and shoulder pain. And I last year worked with a specialist who actually solved it for me. She gave me all these little totally different than a physical therapist, uh, but along the same lines, but it's nothing I had ever done before. And she gave me all these little tools and balls and hooks and, and these prescriptions for how to move and sit and like, and my pain was I mean, it was so minimal. It was practically gone for the entire time that I worked with her. Um, and then of course, you know, now that I don't work with her anymore, I'm not as consistent with those exercises. So I have pain again, not to the degree that I did before, but when I think about that instance, given your question, um, I, I am more likely just to tolerate the pain than to motivate myself to take time out of my day to do all of those little exercises to avoid the pain. But maybe if I was in more pain, like it might depend on the degree of pain in which you're suffering. Um, but I'm wondering, Mar, do you mean it in terms of the motivator is if I if I do the thing, I will avoid the pain or the motivator is, um, is that what you mean by it or is it something else? Yeah, I think the latter. When a situation where the motivator itself is pain. Uh, so for example, yeah. you may have a situation where and I worked with a client where the motivator for her was pain in that she was in a situation where she didn't want to be in that situation anymore. And that was causing her enough, high enough pain that she was able to actually shift into action and that provided her the motivation to move forward, right? So from that standpoint, but I do agree with you that certainly focusing on that pleasure because pain is not a very good motivator in that uh, it's a wrong way of seeing things. It's seeing the world uh, from a standpoint of a glass half empty rather than a glass yeah. half full. Yes. But yeah, that's a very yeah. good point. But I but I do want it, want, wanted to let you continue on. You talked about the 
the acronym, the Decide, Commit, Plan, and Honor. Um, yeah. I wanted you to touch on the rest of the acronyms. I think we talked about the Decide and Committing. What about the Planning? Yes. Getting our mind and our habits right is very important for our well-being. That's one of the reasons why I started this podcast. But taking care of our bodies and especially what we put in it is equally as important. That's why I try to take those gummy vitamins every morning, but I can't, for the life of me, remember to take them consistently. So I was recently introduced to a better option from Athletic Greens. It's called AG1. When you take AG1, you're getting 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens, and they help you start your day right. This blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and even aging. What's amazing about this product is that it contains less than one gram of sugar and has no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or anything artificial, but it still tastes good. And Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. So right now, you can reclaim your health and strengthen your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water daily. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Oh, I'm so glad that you brought me back to that um, because so planning is one of the core, you know, kind of principles that I teach clients um, in terms of when it really comes to sustained lifestyle change, when it comes to food or even exercise, anything like that, uh, because um, and you've I'm guessing that you've probably talked about this some, but, you know, we we kind of have these two brains inside of our heads, right? Like our brain has what sometimes we call a lower brain and a higher brain or a primitive or lizard brain and then the evolved brain. Right. And essentially what we're talking about is we're talking about our prefrontal cortex which is right behind our forehead. And that's the part of our brain that has evolved to put us at the top of the food chain. It's the part of our brain that is designed for executive functioning. So all of like the planning, our ability to see into the future, right. And say, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to push myself through college because I want to have a degree, or I'm going to work my way up to this promotion because I want what's on the other side. That is uniquely human in that we can see into the future and then make plans to get ourselves there. It's the whole goal piece, right? Like we're very fortunate. Fish don't have goals. As far as I know, you know, like my dog has no goals except for maybe to get a treat, but that's about it. Right. And so, so that prefrontal part of our, our brains is really, really important. Um, not just in terms of judgment, but in particular into seeing into our futures to help us become who we want to become. So if you have any money saved in the bank, you did that with your prefrontal cortex, right? If, if you've accomplished any goal, you did that with your prefrontal cortex. So when it comes to deciding what you're going to, and I'll, I'll just use food as an example, because that's the world I live in. When it comes to deciding how to change your, that you want to change your relationship with food and committing to eating differently, 
you have to plan to do that. You want to plan with that prefrontal cortex because that prefrontal cortex is the one that can see, I know what to do. I know how to get there. I just have to take the steps and and do it, right? And figure out who to ask and how to get help and all the things. But then we have that other part of our brain, the lizard brain, as sometimes people call it, right? Which is essentially that part of our brain that is ancient, you know, that it's the part of our brain that keeps us alive. It's a wonderful part of our brain. It's very important, but that's the, it's the part of our brain that reacts when it needs to. That's the fight, flight, or flee, freeze um, part of our brain. It's the part of our brain that was designed to keep us safe and keep us alive. So, you know, back in the day when we were all living in caves, you know, if we were walking down a path and a tiger jumped out, that's the part of our brain that is going to keep us alive in that instance. Mm. Now, the problem with that is that in, in our modern world, we have fewer reasons to use that part of our brain. It's still legit, but our brain, ten- that part of our brain tends to react on a daily basis, even to little things like, uh, you know, too many tasks on our to-do list can freak us out and get our stress levels all, you know, heated and raised and, you know, or just running late for work is we're setting off that part of our brain. And so the reason that this is important is because that kind of primal part of our brain is also the part of our brain that if we let it choose what we're going to do in this moment, that's the part of our brain that's like, yeah, I don't really feel like going for that walk. Instead, I'm just going to watch one more episode of this, you know, Netflix series that I'm currently hooked on. Or I know I said I was going to eat a healthy salad for dinner, but, you know, that pizza that my partner just brought home looks really good. You know, that's the part of our brain that's making the decision in the moment. It's no longer our prefrontal cortex because our prefrontal cortex was like, oh, no, no, we should totally go for that jog and eat that healthy salad for dinner. Right. So those two parts of our brains are really important because we often are operating from that primitive part of our brain instead of that wiser part of our brain. I have a client who's a psychologist and she calls it our wise brain. And I really like that term. So this is important for the P part of the DCPH acronym, because the reason we plan is because when we really truly spend just a few minutes planning how we're going to get to our goal. And then we commit to that plan, which is the H part, which I'll tell you in a minute, then we can ensure that we'll actually get there, right? And so what that might look like is, you know, if you know that you want to run a marathon, to your example, and you know, a marathon is 26.2 miles, and you know, right now you are running zero miles, you're going to come up with a plan to get there, right? And your plan might be, okay, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to spend one hour researching how to train for a marathon. And the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to download that app. Or maybe I don't know what the next step will be from that point, but I'm going to ask someone what my next step should be. Someone who runs marathons. I'm going to find someone. So you're, you're making a plan for how you're going to gather the information to get you to where you're trying to go. And eventually you're, you know, going five minutes around your block and then 10. And then the next thing you know, you're running a marathon. So that plan is important to design, right? That's the P. And the reason that's so important is because you're doing that with your future self, Right. Then the H part of the DCPH acronym is the hardest part of all of it. Deciding is easy. I'm going to run a marathon. That's easy, right? Committing is like, yes, I'm going to do it no matter what, right? We're still up in our brains. The planning is like, okay, I've planned it all out. I've got my map. I've got my plan. But then the honoring part is truly the hardest part because I have my clients always put their plan on their calendar or write it down so that they can refer to it to follow. 
But the honoring part, that's the hardest part because that's when in the moment, like I said, your partner walks in the door with a pizza and you're like, oh, I didn't plan for a pizza, but it sure smells good. And I've had a hard day and I don't want to make the salad. And and then that's your lizard brain popping up all of these little suggestions about why it's just a better idea to eat the pizza and not make the salad. But if you choose the H part, the H part of that acronym is to honor your plan no matter what. So it's saying, I know I don't feel like a salad now. I know I don't want to make a salad right now. I know my lizard brain thinks that this pepperoni pizza would be a better idea, but I am going to honor my plan. And I, and that's, it goes back to the commitment. It goes back to honoring yourself. And for a lot of us, it goes back to just having enough self-respect and self-trust to say, I made this plan with my future self in mind, and that's who I'm honoring today. And my future self is going to thank me tomorrow when I eat this salad right now, right? My future self will thank me for what I'm choosing right now. Yeah, I'm hearing you and I'm I'm a planner and I totally am on board and I do 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 that and thank God for planning and goal setting. Uh I think that's, that's changed my life. But someone who's listening, who's thinking, I've been planning for 10 years, none of those plans came to fruition. What do you say to that person in terms of finding better ways to plan and actually execute on those plans? Mm, That's a great question. Um, To me, that would sound like kind of a two part. um, I I would have more questions for that person, because the first question I would have is, the very first question is, is, are you really honoring your plan? Right. And a lot of times when people really when it really comes down to it, cause I'm really good at making plans and I'm less good at following them. <laughs> like I made this whole elaborate plan and then, Oh, I forgot about it. Cause I made these other plans and you know, whatever happened to that plan, you know? So that would be the first thing is, is are you really following your plan with fidelity? Um, are you cutting corners? You know, are, are we kind of like, you know, saying we're doing it and, but not actually following all the way through. Um, but then the second thing would be, you know, if you're making these plans and you really are following them, then to me, it sounds like you might just need more um, expertise, more insight, more resources for what you're trying to do. And and what I'm thinking about is, for example, somebody who's trying to build a business, Um, you know, they might need a business mentor. They might need to join a mastermind. They might need to take a class, Um, uh, maybe read a different book or somebody who's trying to lose weight. It might be that they need more expertise on what's happening with their actual body, not just, you know, what is Weight Watchers telling you, but what's happening with my body? Do I need to see my doctor, which is not always fun when it comes to weight loss conversations, but, you know, do I need to try a different approach? Um, Because if your plan isn't working, then to me, the only answer then is just to tweak the plan and tweak the plan and tweak the plan until it works. Yeah, I think what I, part of what I heard you say there was that accountability piece of, of not doing this in a bubble, but if you're struggling with that plan, just finding some kind of support, finding some kind of uh, so a person or someone who will say, hey, you said that you were going to run a marathon. How are you doing? Right. That kind of thing. But exactly. a yeah, very good point in that. Yeah. No, sometimes you need to tweak your plan. Right. We before COVID hit, we all had plans to do something in what was it? 2019, yeah. 2020. And that went out the window. Right. The yes. there is a a show that I used to watch that where the character says, create the plan, execute the plan, and then something like, oh, throw the plan off the rails kind of thing. Yeah. Meaning you will make yeah. a perfect plan, but it doesn't always work. Sometimes you have to throw the plan out and take a different direction or tweak something. 
So yeah, very very astute of you to to bring that up. So we talked about a plan, and we touched on on honor, honoring your plan. What does that look like? What does that mean concretely for someone to to honor their plan? Mm, that's a great question. Um, so for me, and I kind of re- referenced this a bit earlier, but mm. um, any plan that I have, it has to go on my calendar, or I do use a, a project management system for work. So if, if I'm doing plans, if I'm making plans for my, for, for work, for my clients or whatever it is, that'll go on my project management system. But, but most of us have a calendar, right? And some people use paper and some people use electronic and either one is fine, but it has to actually go on my calendar. And, and now if we're talking about something like a, uh, you know, oh, an, um, I'm talking about an eating plan that's going to actually go somewhere different. I don't put that on my calendar, but let's say I, I have a goal of, you know, increasing exercise, right? Uh, I want to go to Pilates four days a week and I want to, this is actually real my life, but <laughs> I go to Pilates four days a week and I walk my dog every day. Um, and so that's my exercise plan, right? I'm getting my cardio, my strength training, but it wasn't always this way. And so what I have to do is I have to actually, when I sit down and I make my calendar every day on Friday for the following week, I go in and just kind of, you know, I've got, I like an electronic calendar because it allows you to have reoccurring tasks. So I don't have to be typing in every single Monday, the same client name. Um, But so I can go in and I can see, okay, what are all of my reoccurring tasks next week? And then what are my goals? What am I trying to work towards? Okay. I said, I wanted to increase exercise. So I'm going to go to Pilates four days a week and I'm going to walk my dog taco every day for 45 minutes. And so that has to then go on my calendar first. Um, and that part is really important because if I'm saying that that's important to me, then I've it's got to be represented then in how I'm spending my time. I, I have an entire workshop that I do on this that, that helps um, organizations and clients actually uh, really figure out how to build out your calendar in a way that's reflective of your values. So it goes a little more in depth than what we the scope of what we're talking about here today. But the idea is that I've got to put it on my calendar. And so if I'm working towards some kind of business goal, it's got to go on my calendar. And now this part's tricky. And this actually goes back to your question, Umar, about the um, if you're making plans, but it's not coming to fruition. Because if I have a business goal or I have some kind of whatever goal it is, if I don't know, I have to break it down into steps in order to get there, right? And a lot of times that is a that breaking things down into step, steps is actually a skill that comes from your prefrontal cortex again. So that's your executive functioning. N- not all of us have the same executive functioning skills as others. It depends a lot just on how you who you are, what you were born with. And then also it depends on whether or not your exec- executive functioning uh cognition was developed while you were in school. And unfortunately, it doesn't happen in all of our schools. And so the point there is that if you're someone who has trouble, like taking a big goal and breaking it down into steps so that you can put it on your calendar, that's where you would need to find somebody who's good at that to help you with it. So I have a client right now who, for example, um, she struggles with that. Uh, She actually has ADHD. And 
executive functioning is impaired uh, sometimes with people, I, mean, I think all times actually, people with ADHD. So her partner helps her. Every Thursday, they sit down and she talks about what you know her goals are and what she's trying to do. And then he just helps her break it down into steps. And then she's like, boom, 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 got it. And it's a great system. It's working great for her and works great for them. And so the idea there is that you can find a power partner, right? You can find people or systems to help you, even if you're not great at certain things like breaking down large projects into steps. I personally am good at that. So I will break it down into steps and I will put it on my calendar. So you know, I'm using the simplified example of exercise, but I'm going to put Pilates on my calendar. Okay. You know, Monday, 930, Tuesday, 1030, whatever. There it is on my calendar. And then I'm also putting my dog on my calendar. Now I promise you, I promise you that on Monday morning, it actually just happened today. I had an 1130 Pilates class. I had tons of work I was trying to get done today. And I was like, I don't want to go to Pilates. I would rather just get this done. Like, I don't, this is such an interruption in my day. I just want to finish my work. I want to be able to enjoy Friday night. Well, of course, I didn't do that because I practiced this so much. I got up and I took myself to Pilates because I committed to the decision that I go to Pilates four days a week. And now I am going to have to work a little bit on the weekend to finish up things that I didn't get to finish up, but that's the decision that I made so that I can actually follow through on my plan. So honoring essentially really looks like putting it on your calendar and then doing it no matter what. Now, sometimes things really do happen. Like, you know, the school calls and says, my kid has a stomach ache and I got to go pick him up. Like, it's not like I'm going to say, sorry, I committed to Pilates, right? Like, obviously, you know, there's some flexibility in there, but the idea is that you are not allowing your lizard brain to drive your, your choices. Because if you do, we never really make much progress. So if you allow your prefrontal cortex, your higher brain to really make those decisions for you and then say, no, Leah, when I put Pilates on my calendar for Friday, I was doing that from a place of thinking about what I'm trying to do in my life, which is health and strength and all those things. So that's what I'm going to do right now, even though, you know, it would have felt great to clean out my email inbox by 1230. (laughs) Felt a lot better to go work out. Yeah, I think that that is key. You talked about the fact that, yes, things do happen. But for those, particularly for those who are struggling, who struggle with just, you know, making a plan and sticking to that plan, it comes down to taking it one step at a time, not not overdoing it. And where you spend your time is really what what you what you're deciding are your goals and your ultimate uh, end goal, your future, in a sense. Right. We all have the yes. same amount of time in a day. And the difference between those who are making things happen and and the rest of us is really just they are a little bit more disciplined about just taking doing things one thing at a time and just chipping away on those plans and those goals. I think that's a really important call out. Now, we're running short on time, but I wanted to, you mentioned a project management tool and I wanted to make sure for those who don't know what you, you maybe are referring to is Project management management tool is basically, and I'll let you react to this, Leah, is a tool that you use that helps you organize projects into smaller pieces, who it's assigned to, and potentially date and things like that. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly it. And what project management tool do you use? Um, I use Asana. Oh, Asana. Um, I love Asana. And I do... Yeah, I do. I do. I think I pay, I think $25 a month or something for it, but I have a, you know, a team so we can communicate on there. I can assign tasks to my assistant and, 
kind of keep track of everything on Asana. Um, I have used Trello in the past, which is another one that I like. And um, I I believe they both have a free version. So if you don't need, if you don't have a team necessarily, you might not need uh, the paid version. And then I've also heard good things about Airtable, but I don't, uh, I, I never used it. I've never used it myself. Yeah, no, I, I really like, uh, we actually use Asana. I use Asana and, and uh, we shifted from, from by we meaning my wife and I, because we got to a point where just a standard calendar was doing it for me. I already had a calendar for my, my clients and my business side, uh, but using Asana, this is great for, for anyone out there who is, you just have way too many things happening in your life. And even so, you can use Asana. They do have a free version that you can use to just mm-hmm. put things in in one place. You see everything. You see who who it's assigned to. It's a wonderful tool. Thanks for for bringing that up. Uh, by the way, uh, Leah. Um, yeah. Now, is there anything uh, you wanna you wanna end with? Any final thoughts or suggestions? Gosh, you know, I mean, it's a really great great question. I think the the final thought that I have is that, you know. I feel like sometimes there's these two camps, these two approaches that, that we have sometimes to goal setting. And one of them is, you know, kind of a very like driven, like go get them, no excuses, no pain, no gain. Like you make your commitment, you go all in and you get your results no matter what, you know, no matter what the cost. And then there's another camp that sometimes is, I think, um, the polar opposite of that, which is like, well, set the goal, but be gentle with yourself and go easy and don't put too much pressure. It's almost like those two types of parents, right? Like there's this like authoritative parent and then there's the permissive parent, right? And I feel like we can have similar approaches sometimes when it comes to goals and goal setting. Um, And I actually have found in my life that the best results that I've gotten is more of a blend of the two. Um, meaning really kind of being on to yourself if you're making excuses, right? So, um, you know, sometimes when we're saying be gentle with yourself, we're often saying like, go ahead and instead of going to get that exercise, go eat the, you know, plate of brownies. And I don't think that that actually serves us, right? Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with eating brownies, but it's like sometimes, and, and the way that you can tell the barometer that I like to use is how do you feel after. So for example, if it's Pilates, you know, my example with Pilates and it's like, if I had told myself, Oh, just skip Pilates and just finish all these emails. I I would have felt after I would have felt some sense of accomplishment that I finished all my emailing, but I wouldn't have really felt good. Like I would have felt like I let myself down a little bit. I would have felt less strong, less fit. I wouldn't have felt great. Um, Using the example with the brownies would be even more obvious because I would have eaten the plate of brownies and then I would have physically felt really bad. And so to me, that's the, that's the message to pay attention to right now. If I was telling myself though, to go to Pilates, even though maybe I had, uh, was really having a lot of back pain or I was really feeling exhausted. I don't know that I would have felt better after having gone to Pilates. Cause maybe my pain would have increased. Maybe I wouldn't, wouldn't have felt as good. So that might've been a time that I really, maybe really did need to be gentle with myself. So sometimes it can be hard when you're in the moment to determine how am I going to feel when this is over. But if you kind of just get quiet with yourself a little bit, your body knows. Like we have, and Glennon Doyle says in her book, Untamed, which is one of my favorite books of all time, but she says, she calls it the knowing. And we really do kind of have a knowing ahead of time 
when we are making excuses to eat the plate of brownies versus we really do need to maybe take a break from the planned scheduled workout today because, you know, we're experiencing some, some pain in our back or whatever it is. So I think if anything, it's like recognizing that it's not black or white, that it's not being totally gentle with yourself. And it's also not like being so determined that you, you know, become, have tunnel vision and myopic, but instead it's more of a blend of the two. And it's a listening to yourself to know what's the right next move for me, you know, making the plan, but then also being responsive to yourself in that moment. Oh, that's great. Great tips. A great conversation. Uh, Leah, how can people get in touch with you? Um, well, you can find me at leahpinelli.com. My name is spelled L-I-A-P-I-N-E-L-L-I.com. And I'm also on Instagram all the time. And I have a podcast. Um, I have a podcast awesome. called The Life You Crave, which is one of my favorite things. I love podcasting. So The Life You yeah. Crave. Great. No, as usual, I will put that in the show notes so people can yeah. check out your website and your podcast. Very interesting Wonderful. conversation. All right, great. Well, Leah, thanks for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, Umar. I did too. Thank you so much. That was my interview with Leah Pinelli. This is probably one of my favorite interviews to date. I don't know if you noticed, but I was geeking out a little bit on this particular episode because I am really passionate about life skills that I believe everyone should have in their personal development toolkit. The one thing I want you to do is take the advice that you hear on this podcast and implement them. Don't just listen and do nothing. You need to take action. But you also need to be patient with yourself as you learn to be a more balanced human being and be more thoughtful about the actions you take and the decisions that you make. For any new skill to stick, it takes time. So be kind to yourself and keep at it. I have no doubt in my mind that you will get there. You are already ahead of a lot of other people out there who don't even realize their shortcomings and continue to stumble in life. I am really committed to bringing you concrete tips that I know for a fact can change your life for the better. With that said, there's only so much that we can cover in half an hour. So if you want to explore further how I can help you reach your personal development goals, I invite you to book a call and get on my calendar so that I can come up with a plan to help you live the life that you deserve. Just go to my website at umarjang.com and let's connect. Let's make this happen. I look forward to talking with you. You can find the show notes for today's episode on my website at umarjang.com forward slash session 44. That's session 44. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, pull out your phone right now and give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. It will help others discover the show and learn from the information that I share. Thank you for doing that and thank you for spending part of your day with me today. Until next time, please stay safe and motivated. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Motivational Voice Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate it on iTunes. Get show notes and the latest blog posts at omarjang.com. 